0: We'll Maxey is a 1988 U.S. Olympian, former world record holder in the 400-meter hurdles, and a media professional who has excelled at her craft. Her success has not come without its share of hardships, and Leslie now embraces her role as an inspiration to those overcoming challenges in life. She draws strength from her faith, her mentors, and believes that excellent, is not an accident leslie maxi welcome to the main event hey thanks for having me jim i'm so glad to be here well you know we've got to go back to the beginning as a 16 year old at mills high school in the bay area of san francisco yes. you set junior world record in the 400 meter hurdles in a race in which you finished in second how did that happen <laughs>
1: Well, you know, Mr. Parker um, announced to actually brought my family together. Mr. Parker is my uh, dearly beloved coach. I'm no longer with us, but he brought my family together in the um, early spring and said, hey, you know, Leslie is a good 100 meter hurdler and she's a good 400 meter runner, but she probably will never really be world class in those events. I'm fast, but I'm not quick. And, uh, and so he said, you know, the 1984 is going to be the first year that the women's 400-meter hurdles were going to be contested at the Olympic Games. And would I be interested in, in combining my events and really specializing in the 400-meter hurdles? And, you know, I heard Olympics and he had me right there. <laughs> so that was how I got into that, that race at nationals where I achieved the junior world record. Um, It was it was all leading up to Mr. Parker's plan, uh, getting me into the 400 hurdles and specializing in that event.
0: You know, let's talk about Mr. Parker, because he was a pretty influential person in your life. And it talks about the importance of mentorship. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Mr. Parker and the influence that he had and still kind of has on your life today?
1: Oh, very much still has on my life today. Um, Mr. Parker was with me almost every day from six to nine years old until, you know, 20 something. And I, I very often say I'm the woman that I am today because Mr. Parker was like a second father to me. Uh, He was someone who believed that women could achieve in athletics and one of the very first um, advocates for women getting equal equal opportunities in athletics. Uh, He had an Olympian on every Olympic team from 1956 to 1988. I was his last Olympian. And 95% of us were women, you know? And he was just one of those people that. He had character, he had morals and and those were the things that drove him. He wasn't as concerned about what we could do on the track, but who we could be in our lives. And, and that track was merely a conduit to what was possible for us as as girls and young women and finally, you know, grown women.
0: And that was at a time, Leslie, when women were not regarded in the way that they are today, right? It was, it was just kind of after the advent of Title IX. So it was just starting to be not a level playing field, but an equal footing for women, especially as it
1: went to college, right? Yep, very much so. You know, Mr. Parker, Um, really was a long game person he was not about you know what you can do when you're 10 11 12 years old he was like how can you use this platform of track and field to expand your life uh, both literally travel wise and and just expanding your mind because when you achieve on on the field of play what it does is almost imprints your DNA about what's possible in other areas of your life. And so it gives you a testimony of sorts that you can look back and say, you know, I applied diligent work to achieve that thing. What could happen if I did it in the classroom? What could happen if I did it in my relationships? You know, so that's that's really very much who he was and, and what he was trying to get through to us. And, and using, you know, athletics was merely the conduit.
0: What powerful inspiration! That's that's brilliant. Uh, you know, when, and you think about it, so you were you were excellent, obviously in track and field. You were, you became an Olympian. But what other sports did you play as a kid? And who were some of your inspirations in sports? I don't want to say role models. So, were the inspirations the people that you looked at when you were a little girl running or playing other sports and say,
1: I, I could be like her? <laughs> Well, you know, I I was very influenced by track and field because I did it for such a long time, but I was really fortunate to have women in my family who blazed a trail. Um, One of my cousins, Brooke Gaston, was one of the first recipients of Title IX Scholarship at Cal Berkeley. And her sister, um, Marian Bowden, you know, obviously they're married names now, but uh, she was the person who inspired me to Um, Really say, hey, I could be an Olympian. She she gave me a sweatshirt (laughs) after I ran a national record time. And hey, that was like catnip to a 10 year old. I was like, I'm going to the Olympics. but uh, yeah, so they, they inspired me. Uh, Jesse Owens inspired me and, you know, having the opportunity to um, interview him when I was like 13 or 14 years old, and it ended up being the last interview, uh, a sit-down interview that he did before he passed away. Um, Wilma Rudolph inspired me. I got to meet her in 1984 at the Olympic trials. Um, So I, I feel really blessed and very fortunate that I had access to people and, and had a keen understanding of, what it meant to, to be that person and and the impact that they could have on a young person like me was just out of this world.
0: Okay, so let's go back to Jesse Owens for a second, because that's a great story too. Yeah. Did you have any idea as a 13 or 14 year old, the magnitude
1: of having the last ever interview with Jesse Owens? Well, I didn't know it was the last interview. You know, I was um, on a television show, two television shows from about the time I was about nine years old, um, both with the NBC affiliate in San Francisco, KRON. One was Kids Watch and one was Just Kidding. And um, I participated in the Arco-Jesse Owens games. And the first year I did it, I ran the 100. Now, remember, I said, I'm I'm fast, but I'm not quick. 100, you need to be both. And so I didn't make it, um, I made it to nationals, but I didn't win. But what I learned at that at that meet was that the winners got a private audience with Jesse Owens. That was all I needed to know. <laughs> so the next year um, I high jumped, which was really my first love. My brother Jeffrey taught me how to high jump in our basement. We would stack up mattresses and take chairs and put brooms across and, you know, high jump. So that's how I learned. And so I said, I'm gonna high jump next year at the Arco Jesse Owens games, because I think I can win. And, and I asked Mr. Parker if he would track what girls my age were doing. We didn't have the internet, so it meant actually going to look at papers and all of that to try and kind of um, predict who could win. And there was a really good chance that I would win. So I reached out to my producer when I, I made the nationals and I said, I am going to win my, my event. And I would like to um, have you dispatch a crew in Los Angeles so that I can interview Mr. Owens. And and they were all for it. But when the crew got there and they were like, what time's the interview? And I said, well, first I have to win the the high jump. And then I'm going to ask them. And they were like, you have us out here and you haven't booked the interview yet. Um, But I won. And and when I received my medal and he went to shake my hand, I shook his hand and I held it. And I said, Mr. Owens, I'd like to interview you for a television show. And he looked at me very confused and he said, well, OK, well, I'll in- introduce you to the woman who does media for Arco and we can arrange something later. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'd like to do it today. And he said, you have a camera crew? And I said, I do. And I did this big, grand gesture over to the stands where the crew was over there going. (laughs) And he was like, OK. He said, how did you know you were going to win? I said, I just knew. He said, kid, that takes moxie. (laughs) And the crew came over and, you know, they mic'd us up. He said, you want to do the interview on the high jump pits?" I was like, I couldn't think of a better place. So we, we sat on the high jump pits, you know, under the sunshine and just talked through, you know, his life and, and what it meant for, for him to uh, to be the, the namesake of this huge opportunity for young people, the Arco Jesse Owens games.
0: Wow. What a great story. You know, you, you've, you've come across a lot of very famous people. You were a four-time All-America runner at USC, and you had the opportunity to train with some of the biggest stars in the Bay Area, let's face it. I mean, you you trained with Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Jeff Leonard, etc. Uh, how did that prepare you for Seoul and, and the Olympics in South Korea?
1: Yeah, well, you know, seeing someone like Jerry Rice work out, I mean, this man was a beast. He, he w- came at Hills. We did Hill workouts a lot together and uh, and then lifted weights. And he came at Hills with a, just a ravenous, I'm going to take this. And, you know, and running Hills is a big part of how you exponentially um, move your training forward. And so I, I learned a lot from him there uh, with, you know, with Jeffrey Leonard, it was really understanding the mindset that I could be focused. I'd you know, I didn't have to smile. I could be just in the moment, and and really put that that level of intensity into my running. That was the thing that I believe was missing, and and being able to integrate that into my approach in 1988, I believe was what helped get me over the hump and to and to really make the team. So, I so we're talking about soul. What was it like to? Get the,
0: the first call that you're going to represent your con- country, and then to actually be at the opening ceremonies?
1: Yeah, there really is nothing that prepares you for that. You know, representing your country in, in any capacity is, is almost otherworldly. And so the opportunity to uh, go to Seoul, and, and I actually had uh, a woman that I ran against in high school. We both went to USC, and we both made the 1988 team. Um, Wendy Brown, and she was a heptathlete. But in high school, we were rivals, and so to see one another on the field, and you know, we locked eyes. It was it was almost like we were the only people in the world. We locked eyes and just ran towards each other in the middle of this field and hugged and cried because you know these two little girls from the Bay Area were here in Seoul, South Korea a half a world away, having our dreams come true in that moment. It was, it was something that's almost indescribable and inexplicable for someone who is a linguist. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's, it's a, how did we get here moment? Yeah. Now, did you have
0: family or any, anybody else with you when you were in I
1: did. I did. Um, my, my mom, that was the first year that a sponsor was allowed to um, provide access for a parent. So my mom's entire trip was paid for. My dad, my stepmom, and my little sister, Renee, who was five at the time, um, they all came. In their community fundraise to send them. And then my aunts, Jean and Jane, my mom's best friend from childhood, uh, they came and, and my beloved Mr. Parker came. So oh, did. it was, it was a full house and oh. it was just the most magnificent experience to see them experience this otherworldliness. It was, it was really special.
0: That's, that's a, it's a real treat to share that with people that you love and that they're the ones that helped you get there, so yep. that, that's really appropriate that they would have been there for you. Now you didn't win, but you were voted the best smile. <laughs> and you got voted kid, best smile. You still, have, you still have it, kid. You know. So, so let me ask you: Was
1: that the stepping stone to your next career? Well. You know, my my smile, I believe, has always been kind of like my gateway to people. It's been so weird in the pandemic walking around with, with a mask on because I'm still smiling under the mask. You know, that's just an extension of, of who I am. And so, you know, winning the best smile at the Olympic Games was, you know, it was fun. It was gratifying. It won the gold medal. <laughs> But, but it was more of an extension of uh, who God created me to be. And, you know, coming back to television, sure, that that was, you know, one of the things. But being able to take the work that I had done on the field and the fact that I had been in television from, you know, nine until 15 or 16 years old, um, you know, all of those things were were components that came together to allow me to uh, lay the foundation for my uh, television 2.0, I guess you could say.
0: Oh, so, yeah, so your second act really began in 1988, I guess, after you got back from Seoul with Fox Sports Net as a broadcaster. Do you remember what your first assignment was? And yeah. were you because you had just competed in the Olympics. Were you still nervous about being a broadcaster?
1: <laughs> well, I, I was nervous. It was a little while after I, I came back in 1998. And, you know, my kids were, were two and four years old, and we were going to be moving and I wouldn't be able to do what I was doing in California. And so I said, you know, hey, this could be an opportunity for me to reconnect with television and see if I liked it as much as I did when I was a kid. And, I, and so that's what I did. I did an internship at the CBS affiliate in Huntsville, Alabama, and, um, and I, I loved it as much. So when I came back to California, um, I, I you know, did some work and eventually connected with Fox Sports Net down in Los Angeles. Um, at their national offices, and there was a vice president there, um, Steve Tello, who very much acted as a mentor for me. You know, the first time I spoke to him and kind of shared my reel, he said, you know, on paper, you're not ready to do what It you know what it is you're asking he said but I'll look at the things that you have accomplished in your life and believe if you put that same amount of of effort and and thoughtfulness you know that excellence isn't an accident um, into it then you can probably achieve the same he said I'll plant the seed and I said if you I said if you'll plant the seed I will give you a redwood. I literally (laughs) said that to him. And so my first national national interview was with Alex Rodriguez when he was getting ready to uh, leave the Seattle Mariners and test the free agent market. And he was the first, you know, quarter of a billion dollar athlete when he went to the Texas Rangers. And, and he was so generous and, you know, and really present in our interview that we ended up breaking news because it wasn't a fait accompli that he was going to be leaving the Mariners. But, you know, he talked about it in such a way that the New York Times picked it up.
0: <laughs> they knew. That's amazing. What wow. That's your first interview.
1: My first national. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Yeah. You know what? All right. So let me let me pick up your broadcasting story, because in 2003, you had to make a big decision. You left your home in California, came to the wilds of New York to anchor and host a program on ESPN.
1: Definitely. Well, you know, I, I made that that decision um, after 9-11. When things were just going crazy in media, um, my first real contract with Fox Sports happened, and um, and it was a little bit before 9/11. So you know, I was working, and I was you know sort of like the national correspondent that was dropping into a lot of regional broadcasts and stuff like that. And you know, and Steve Tello did everything that he could to make it work for as long as he could. And then with a pretty long runway, he was like, "Hey, kid." I think we've come to the end of our rope here. (laughs) And so he gave me, um, you know, probably six months, which you never get that in television, six months where I could start to do work for other networks. I did um, the NCAA tournament for CBS. I interviewed with CNN. I you know they made an offer, but I wasn't going to be able to work overseas first because I had, you know, two young kids. Um, I had three shows that were offers at ESPN and I chose the one called Cold Pizza because I wanted to be able to start to transition into more lifestyle um, journalism and then make my way to more substantive journal- journalism. So I, I took that job and and the one thing that I asked was you know hey one don't make me Ann Curry because I was not a traditional news reader, right, right. and and if you guys are really in this for the long haul, because I'm bringing my two young children, I was in the process of going through a divorce, and my retired mother was going to be coming here with us. It was like, you know, hire a nanny or bring your retired mom. So my mom uprooted too to come and you know, and make sure that everything was was safe and sound for my children while I was working. So we made that move. and then three years into it, they were like, Manhattan's expensive <laughs> we're gonna move this show up to uh up to Bristol and you know and I actually never thought that I would work for ESPN because my vision for my family wasn't that I would raise my children in Bristol nothing wrong with Bristol Connecticut it just wasn't what I was looking to um to surround them with and so we stayed in New Jersey and I turned ESPN from a uh they employ into a client and became a contractor for them and started my company. And, um, and that was, was a a big step, you know, a big, bold step. But um, I believe that, you know, God honors the faith of a mustard seed.
0: Wow. Part of, part of what we're doing today is we're talking to pediatric patients Mm -hmm. who are they need some motivation, they need somebody to help pick them up sometimes, they need some inspiration. And I want to touch basically on your, on the importance of your faith, because I think that has played a role, you can tell me what role that has played uh, in your perseverance and your determination to succeed. So why don't you share a little bit of insight for pediatric patients who might be having a little bit of a tough time today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a big believer that perspective is, is the game changer, how we approach things, how we see ourselves, how we believe we stand in the constellation of what God's created. Um, It just, it can change our lives in so many different ways. You know, we're, we're talking about a lot of the fun stories and success stories and stuff, but even with the story of getting the junior world record, two weeks later, being second in the world, I missed the Olympic team by two one hundredths of a second. So I was still watching it like everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and I mentioned that because I would remind myself every day when I woke up if God gave me breath, I still have purpose. I still have purpose and and especially when you're going through really hard things Um, back in 2017 when I got when I got home from my honeymoon to my husband Philip there was a message from my doctor and they said we want you to come back in and and get another mammogram because we think we saw something and so for context my husband is a widow he has no children and he was married for 24 years So to come back from your honeymoon to what ended up being two surgeries and me being on my back for almost a year, that is, it is as close to devastating as as one can come. And if we couldn't lean on our faith to know that God is is in control, I may not always know what the plan is, but I know if I stay in that mindset, Believing that he has, he has my good in his utmost, utmost for his highest, that things will always, always work out. It may not always be busy, be easy, but we have that testimony. We have that testimony of the times in our lives when it did go well, and we know that there is a, there's a brighter day that's coming down the road.
0: Well, that's a wonderful piece of information for a young person that's going through some tough medical. Honest. but it's it's the same message for everybody right you, you you are an inspiration leslie Maxey. i can't thank you enough for your time today and i can't thank, thank you, for you enough the number of kids you're going to help with your your really honest approach to life and to understanding that you know there are a lot of people that have helped you get here there's a lot of mentors that you've had and uh I just can't thank you enough for sharing your bit of wisdom with everybody today. And thank you. And continue. I can't wait to hear what your next chapter is going to be. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be
1: good. Jim. We got some good stuff in the hopper. (laughs) God doesn't sleep.